Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B playbook. Kevin, Kevin, I've got a part-time job. You have a part-time job. Yeah, I'm working two roles now. I've got my marketing job, my day job, and I've actually got a nighttime job too. Well, I thought you already had about three jobs, but what's this new one? <laughs> well, look, um, my nighttime job is actually, it's a very interesting one. It's not what you might think, Kevin. Open up your uh, your Slack. Ah, yes, yes. I see the picture. Yes, yes. And what do you see? You see a photo of of me and where am I? Is that a photo or a painting? <laughs> <laughs> looks like you're you're a uh, looks like you're the new model for the painting that is promoting the Mary Poppins show. That's it, Kevin. I'm a chimney sweeper. I'm a chimney sweeper in Mary <laughs> Poppins. Of course, Kevin, that is not me. That is a doppelganger and a very very good one. Very good one. Very good one. And my friend's mother went to go and see Mary Poppins. And apparently all she could talk about was how much the chimney sweeper looked like George. She said, he looks like George. He smiles like George. He sings like George, even dances like George. I've never sung or danced, you know, for anyone, Kevin, you know, especially my friend's mom. But according to her, I was, I was this person. This is my job. So anyway, good to know that, um, if things don't go well with the B2B playbook, I can just knock off this bloke, take his role, and I'll be chimney sweeping. And I think they do okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chimney sweep. It's a, it's a full-time gig, I'm sure. 
<laughs> I got to say, I mean, it's meant to be one of those very tough jobs, but I've also always thought that uh, performing in musicals would be up there in terms of how exhausting jobs are. Very exhausting. Very exhausting. I imagine very, very long rehearsal hours. Kev, you did a bit of stage work yourself. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did, George. <laughs> Go on, share. Yes. During my, uh, my ill-advised uni years, I was part of Law Review which is a satirical play show, musical numbers and all. And that's probably all our listeners need to know about that Hill of Ice period of my university career. And um, which of the three threats, Kevin, did you feel you were most threatening at? <laughs> um, just, just being there, George. Physical humor, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just put you on stage and people laugh at you. Yep, that's that's why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. Very good. But Kevin, you had to give it up. You had to give it all the way because you moved into law. You became time poor. And Kevin, speaking of time poor, that's what we're speaking about today, isn't it? We're talking about how small time poor teams can get started with demand creation. And Kev, let me take it a step back before we dive into that. And I just want to note that we are, of course, talking about this in the context of being at the end of season three, which is what we call B scene, which is the third B in our five B's framework. And of course, listeners, as many of you know, our five B's framework is really our framework for sustainable growth or what many are calling demand generation. A really key part to demand generation, Kevin, is demand creation. And we'll get more into that later on. But Kev, why are we talking about this today? Why is it really important? Well, as you know, Kev, I've been conducting some original market research for the B2B playbook, speaking to a whole bunch of B2B marketers and small teams. And so many have listed time as their greatest challenge. And a lot of them know that they need to start creating demand but are finding it very difficult to find the time to do it. So today I want to talk about some steps that you marketers can take to get started on this journey. Well, first of all, George, I'd just like to say that was another classic segue by you into today's topic. Whether it's bumpy or smooth listeners, he is right. We are talking about time poor teams and how they can start creating demand. And it's something that we've spoken about at length, um, but sometimes... It can be a little confusing with all the frameworks. Um, so we really wanted to focus in on this particular use case and talk about the practical things you can do to start getting the ball rolling and getting things going. Because as George said, whatever conversations we have with B2B marketers and whatever industry they might be in, small teams are generally very time poor. They're very stretched across a number of different disciplines. And often demand generation is just one of a million things they have to do, they have to look at. Uh, and marketing might not even be their full-time responsibility or 100% of their responsibilities within a particular role. So that's why we're really focusing in on a whole episode where we really go through some of the key steps that you can do to start going at it hard with your demand creation without having to hire another person, wait uh, until you can get another person or persons into the team or the resources to hire such persons. And Kev, last week we um, really broke down the difference between demand creation and demand capture. Really the two sides that make up 
demand generation. And we spoke about why both are essential and why you should be doing both. And most teams do focus on that demand capture. It's a great listen. Go back and listen to that last episode. I would say before you jump in and listen to this episode, because I think we really set the scene there. And now we're talking about listeners, how you can go about moving just beyond capturing demand to creating demand. But really quick recap, listeners, capturing demand is uh, basically capturing those who are ready to buy a product or service like yours and they're in market now. That's roughly three to 5% of the total number of people who could buy your product or could be in market to buy your product um, at a given point in time. Demand creation goes beyond just trying to capture those who are looking to buy right now and it goes into developing relationships with those who are in their earlier stages of awareness turning people who are unaware that they even have a problem that your product or solution uh, can help fix and taking them all the way through the five stages of awareness to reach the logical conclusion that your product or service is the perfect fit for them to solve the problems that they have. So demand creation really helps build that relationship earlier on. Right, George. So let's set the scene for our listeners a little bit. First of all, as we start to talk about how to create demand, why should you start creating demand right away? Yeah, well, Kev, I mean, we've seen this with a lot of businesses that we've worked with, businesses that we've worked in as well. And very often, really earlier in the stage of a business, business might be coming in quite nicely through referrals. The sales team is probably doing okay. And things are just tracking, tracking reasonably nicely. As part of it, they often hire maybe one, maybe two people in marketing and a lot of the work that they're doing is trying to feed that sales team. You're doing a lot of sales enablement work or you're generating leads and trying to pass it on to sales. Now, Kev, what inevitably happens is those referrals, those existing sources of business start to dry up. And the reason for that, Kev, is as we've said earlier, these people are normally in that 3 to 5% of people who are ready to buy right now. If someone has been referred to you, it means it's because they have an existing need for your product or service right now. But if your company is scaling up and expanding, you're going to start to run out of those who are ready to buy. Or alternatively, Kevin, competition really starts to enter your space. And then you're all competing for this three to 5% of the market that isn't actually growing. And Kev, the worst part is when this happens, we've seen it happen. The executive team looks at marketing and they say, hey, marketing, how come we don't have enough leads to fill our sales team? And Kev, that's why we say to marketers, you need to start creating demand as early as you can because you don't want to get caught with your pants down. And it's likely that you'll end up in that same situation if you're just running demand capture activity in places like Google Ads, G2, whatever it might be, even LinkedIn. There's never an infinite pool of that demand that's already in the market. And often you will run out of that pool quicker than you think. All right, Kev. So we're going to take our listeners through some key points that they should really work through to start getting a demand creation strategy happening, even though they're time and resource poor. And Kevin, it always starts by educating the key stakeholders. Now, remember marketers, Executives only really care about revenue. Ultimately, that's what you are there to help with as a marketer. So 
you need to show that any demand creation program you come up with is actually going to tie back to that and help improve revenue. Okay, so how do you start that conversation, listeners? How do you start tying that conversation um, back to execs who really care about revenue and show that need for change? Well, there's some questions that you can ask them and start conversations around what happens if the existing rate of referral work slows down? Because inevitably that probably will happen. And if you're on a lead gen format or model, how efficient is your lead to win rate for your sales team? How much is it actually costing the business to win from these leads? Is it scalable? Your sales team might be a home run, a dream team who have a killer win rate, uh, but you know the number of leads that come in that the quality of leads, you're probably getting feedback from the sales team is starting to drop or starting to vary a lot. It's hard to control. Is all that scalable? That's right. So if we have a super low opportunity rate from the leads that we are sending sales, then when you take into account sales headcount, we take into account how long it's taking them to close um, some of these leads, we can see that it's a pretty grossly inefficient process. I mean, that might be the case. And if that's the case, it's worth showing that to the executive team and go, okay, we have an issue here. Yeah, and it's important to be careful how you show that to the executive team because often than not, it really has nothing to do with your sales team. Uh, it might have something to do with your sales team, but quite often there's not much they can do about it because the quality of the leads just aren't there. And it's actually a problem with how can we improve the inbound leads that are coming in? How can we improve the quality of those leads? through demand creation. And so effectively what you wanna do is show that the existing practice is unsustainable and there needs to be a change and maybe something that points to the fact that what needs to change is the marketing, is the demand generation, is that approach of how the business is going about marketing. That's right, we're absolutely not pointing the finger at sales here. It's about aligning the two and marketing taking some responsibility for sending sales uh, better, more qualified, better educated leads. And I think one basic activity that a marketer doesn't have to show an executive team but can actually run internally for the business is to split the funnel exercise. So they can look at the difference in opportunity rate or win rate between leads that are sourced through lead gen activities and those who have actually raised their hand by themselves by submitting an inquiry on your website. So for example, the difference would be someone who uh, gives their email in exchange for an ebook versus someone who actually goes to your website and requests a demo. Now the latter, they are people who are raising their hand. They're much more likely to already be educated. There's a reason that they've submitted a demo request. They want to be contacted. And go and have a look. Were the sales cycles shorter? Did they get more revenue for them? Do they close at a higher rate? And if that's the case, well, the logical conclusion is, hey, in order to make this marketing and sales process as efficient as possible, we need to create more of these self-hand raises. And then, Kev, of course, the question is, well, how do we get more people to raise their hand and say, yes, I want a demo request. Yes, I want to meet with your sales team. Well. That's when you explain that you create more of these people by building relationships with your dream customers before they're ready to buy. And Kev, that's your launching off point. Listeners, hopefully this approach will really help you address 
any sort of exec team and objections that they might have. It's likely that an exec team who's more geared towards numbers, who's more geared towards hard proof of reasons for doing uh, demand generation work or demand creation work, this sort of conversation and the data that you're putting in front of them and the analysis that you're putting in front of them, along with the insights that you're drawing from this data, will help bring them on board to this conversation in a much better way than if you just start by saying, we need to create more relationships and build relationships online before people are ready to buy because the leads are going down. You do need to lead them through a process of discussing it with them, working together with them to understand the data, understand that there is actually data there to show you that this is the logical next step already. That's it. We have to show that there's a problem there first. And then once they acknowledge that and that's tied to revenue, I'm sure you'll get their interest a lot more. If the listeners have been able to implement that conversation and been able to bring the exec team along that journey and get to a place where they're ready to start building some relationships with people before they're ready to buy, then you need to come up with a strategy to do that. And luckily for you listeners, that's what we've been talking about, the five Bs. That is the strategy that you can use and implement to get things going. That's it, Kev. Particularly when many of our listeners are time poor, the worst thing that they can do is just do really ad hoc activities around trying to actually create or stimulate demand. Because the reality is a good demand creation strategy takes a lot of consistent effort to work. Normally at least one to one and a half sales cycles for really its effect to be fully realized. So our listeners need a strategy that can actually go through and execute step-by-step. And yes, as you said, Kevin, that's exactly what we're doing right here on the podcast is we are giving our listeners that strategy. And it really, from our 5Bs framework, it starts with those first three Bs, which are really our core foundational steps. The first is, of course, truly deeply understanding your customer, and that's what we call be ready. The second is be helpful, which is all about how to build relationships and use content to educate and entertain so we can build trust between ourselves and our dream customers so they're ready to buy from us or they come to buy from us when they're ready to buy. And the third is be seen, which is about how to amplify those relationships, that helpful information that we're creating to the right people within the buying committee, within the target accounts that we want to work with. And listeners, you would have heard at the beginning of this episode, we have started launching our B2B incubator program. So you can go to the show notes to find out more about how you can get involved and apply for that program. Hopefully that will help you get started as well if it's the right fit for your team and you're really time poor and you need a helping hand. Hopefully that will become a good resource for you as well. That's it, Kev. It'll at least give you the strategy, I mean, the tools, the templates that we use in our business. So you as the marketer, you already have that sorted. And then you can actually just start to go through and execute it with the little time that you have. But what happens is once you actually have a strategy and a plan in place, you can start to justify uh, perhaps outsourcing existing parts of your work to work on this because you've convinced your boss that this is really a necessary thing for the marketing team. It's necessary for the business to do. You've got a strategy in place and now you can start to make a business case for, hey, I need to actually outsource parts of what I do, whether it's sales enablement work or perhaps we need to bring someone in a part-time capacity into the business to help with that so I can start chipping away at this demand creation strategy. 
Well, since George touched on before around having a realistic expectation around timeline, and he mentioned there that, that you know at least it takes one to two sales cycles longer if you need to gradually build up your demand program, particularly together for the first time. And we'll just add to that that typically you know the whole process to get it flowing nicely, it's probably more likely to be around 12 to 18 months, particularly your first time round. And particularly for business that's doing it for the first time around because there is a lot of work involved in getting the foundations right and actually deeply understanding your customers that takes time and building relationships takes time part of it is about building helpful content which in itself takes resource but building relationships takes time you need multiple interactions where uh, potential clients potential customers are getting value from those interactions to build that trust so be patient but it doesn't mean that you sit there and just be patient and expect the exec team to be patient without any sort of communication. You do still need to educate everyone who's part of that journey along the way. You can show them signs that it is working along the way. We've spoken in previous episodes about the qualitative and quantitative insights that you can provide. Things like the different metrics at different intervals that you can look to call out at different periods of time. But also just highlighting some of the conversations that you start to have with those people that you're building relationships with along the way. That's exactly right, Kev. Realistic expectations are so important. And this does take some time to get a full head of steam. I mean, even with us, Kev, we started the B2B playbook about a year ago now, last August. It took us really up until January for us to be at pretty close to full steam. I would say, Kev, because we were just getting all of our strategy, we were getting all our systems in place. And then it was, I remember, it was about January 15 where we really started to hit the ground running. I think it's really only from that day that you can say, okay, we're actually properly implementing this strategy for ourselves. Now we're really starting to see the benefits and effects of it. So we've seen it rather quickly, but yes, it does take time to build up that head of steam. Yeah, listeners, it doesn't mean that, you know, from middle of last year to the beginning of this year, George and I weren't doing anything. We were doing lots of stuff and you will be too in that process. That is all part of the process. It just maybe doesn't feel like you're really going full steam yet, um, but you're actually laying down a lot of really important groundwork in that initial stage to figure out the things you need to be saying, the people you need to be talking to. That six months, that six to 12 months at the beginning is just as important as when you're going full steam and you feel like you're really making inroads. And Kev, that takes us to our next point in that this doesn't have to be a major investment from the beginning. You don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You can actually implement this gradually, but you can only do it gradually, Kev, if you actually have that strategy there because then you're going through and executing something methodically. You're not doing it in an ad hoc way. I guarantee that your boss, whoever it is that you're reporting to is going to be happy that you can do it gradually and you're not going to have to put a major investment in it right away. And listeners, not only can you do it gradually, but you can actually start to try and do it in a way that continues to complement whatever it is that you're doing already. So if you're a very trade show events driven business, I mean, Kevin and I always talk about the, you should find a pillar for your helpful content. So perhaps your pillar is those events. And perhaps your way of generating a ton of content is getting, you know, a camera down there and interviewing, you know, dream customers are coming up to you at your booth, asking, you know, influential people in the area for their thoughts and what's happening in a certain industry. 
if you're doing a lot of sales enablement work, well, we say that the five stages of awareness is really key to um, a domain creation strategy, but that's also really good sales enablement material. So maybe there's some good overlap there that you can do. Yeah, there's definitely plenty you can do as part of this process as you start to get things going. And listeners, that just means it's like two birds and one stone. You know, you're doing the same amount of work, um, but you're utilizing it in a different way in a different setting. So keep that in mind. Things can happen gradually. You can be hitting multiple purposes with the same work that you're actually physically doing. Uh, but it's just a matter of getting started and having some of those frameworks in mind on the demand generation side right from the get-go. Yeah, one more example I'd just like to add quickly, Kev, is you can help sales actually communicate and build relationships with key target accounts if you're a sales-led organization by saying, hey, we'll actually make it easier for you to chat to our key accounts, to your key uh, decision makers and influencers with those key accounts by conducting something like a market research report or interviewing them for a podcast, you know, giving them a non-threatening first touch point to start building relationships with them. So as you said, Kev, there's always ways to overlap what you're doing uh, with actually putting in place a demand creation program. Well, listeners, we're giving you a lot of ideas there about how to get started and a lot of work um, that needs to be done. And we hope that doesn't daunt you because you can use a very handy principle to help you get started in an undaunting way. And that is the AT20 principle that we've been talking about before. There's always a need to focus, but particularly when you're trying to get another program off the ground like demand generation and demand creation. And that's why the 80-20 rule really comes in and the principle comes in again. You can have a look at all the activities in front of you and think about what's going to get you that 80% uplift or impact with 20% of the lift or effort. One simple example of this is think about what's the one channel that's likely to have the most impact with the least amount of work. And maybe it's not the one that has absolutely the least amount of work, um, but it does have the most impact. So you do need to balance those two things, uh, but still apply that principle of 80-20 to every decision you make when it comes to prioritization and have a think about where to get started and then just start with one thing and do that thing well before moving on to the next. That's it, Kev. I mean, there's this myth that to make an impact, you have to appear everywhere all the time. And that's absolutely not true. That focus is actually so much more realistic and so much more effective. I mean, for us, Kev, our dream customers, they're on TikTok, they're on Instagram, they're on LinkedIn, they're gathering at marketing forums. But hey, we're just two people. And so we just focused on one channel. We focused on LinkedIn because it's where we think we can get the best bang for our buck. It's where I know that we really only have to create five, six times a week. Uh, it's not like TikTok, it's not like Instagram where you have to post all the time. Uh, we know that there's a huge imbalance between the number of creators on the platform and the number of people consuming it. So reach is relatively easy. And we also know that it's easy for us to pull our dream customers into our network because you can literally search for exactly who it is that you want to be in your audience and add them to your audience. So for us, applying the 80-20 rule, we just doubled down on LinkedIn. Great summary, George. Great summary of how we're approaching that and using the 80-20 principle. Another thing that can help your listeners to manage the workload is to create systems and outsource where you can. So when you're doing yourself with that focus from the 80-20, 
make sure to document and turn that process into a system as you start to hit things that are really working. And then look to outsource that process if you can, if it's commercially viable for the business that you're in, but at the same time, think about how much time you can then save by outsourcing and then moving on to the next big thing. Even if you're not looking to outsource a particular process uh, over the long term, turning it into a system will make it easier for you to improve that system yourself and to save you time so that you can add another system, another thing to your to-do list without burning yourself out. Exactly, Kevin. That's the approach we take with our clients and the approach that we took for the B2B playbook. It's all about taking baby steps, documenting what you can, turning it into a system, and then scaling up once you've built that process and looking, okay, we have that process in place. I've done it. I've tested it. It makes sense. Uh, now is there someone who can help us with this so we can start to scale up this activity? So listeners, please don't skip the creating the systems. It will make your life much, much easier. It'll also make it easier for you to maybe pass on some of the work that you need to do and get someone internally to help you as well. Maybe there's someone within the team who is keen to learn and has some spare time and capacity and would love to pick up some of the existing demand capture work that you're doing or the sales enablement work that is already on your plate. And they can take that work off you if you start to systemize some of that as well. Very good, Kevin. Thank you. You are the king of systems, always keeping me on task and in check. I appreciate it. Key takeaways from today, Kev. I would say the first one is really internal education is a vital first step to get buy-in on your demand creation program. So listeners, don't skip this. And the second one is there's absolutely no need to go from zero to 100 with a demand creation strategy. You need a solid strategy and a way of executing it gradually that is realistic. Awesome, George. Thanks for that. And I'll just add one more listeners. Make sure to systemize what you're doing. As usual, you can find links to everything we discuss in the show notes. Each week, we're so grateful that more and more marketers are tuning in every Monday to check out the podcast. And if we can ask one thing, it would be to please leave us a short review on whatever platform you listen on, or one better, pass it on to someone that you think would get value from the show. It's an amazing help to us, to our potential new listeners, and we really, really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you, George, and see you next week. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, listeners. Catch you next week. A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Right, folks, quick breather here. In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, it's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. 
head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. <laughs> 